All right, Alexander, let's do an update as to what is going on in Ukraine. And things seem kind of steady, it seems, I have to say, at least fighting on the ground. I mean, I know there's fighting that's happening, but it doesn't seem like we have big movements. No. Uh, the last I, I read was Prigozhin basically saying that um, Wagner controls 80% of Bakhmut. And that's pretty much where we are. Uh, Ukraine did launch a counteroffensive in Bakhmut, and I've heard mixed results. I've heard some people say it didn't amount to much. There's other analysts who said Ukraine actually managed to push Russia back a bit and reclaim one of the the uh, the, the railroads or the or the, the, the railways that that they were fighting over. Um, outside of that, I'm trying to think if there's anything else going on on the ground before we move on to to geopolitical topics. Uh, uh, they say Zelensky continues to to pour men into Bakhmut, including elite yes. fighters. Yes. I don't know if that's true. Yes. If yes. that is true, what is how does that add up with the counter offensive, the big spring yes. counter offensive? I yes. thought he was preserving yes. his uh, his troops. Well, I think I think you put your finger on, your, on what's going on in your last comment because, from the Russian point of view, Bakhmut is the gift that goes on giving because Zelensky continues to pour men into Bakhmut. I don't think there's any doubt about this. This is what he's doing. He is still fixated on holding on to Bakhmut. Now, I think partly it's symbolism. Partly it's strategy and tactics, and you know we've discussed its strategic importance. The fact it's at a major, you know, it's a major hub. But by doing what he's doing, transport hub. But by doing what he is doing, he is weakening, undoubtedly, the overall position of the Ukrainian military. He's using burning up tanks. He's burning up ammunition, a lot of ammunition. He's throwing away. The lives of some of his best soldiers, and you're absolutely right, it does seem as if he did commit special forces to um, try to hold out in Bakhmut. And so, in a sense, from the Russian point of view, he's doing just what they want him to do, which is to slowly grind his own army down. Now, I remain of the view that the Russians have come to a decision that the time has now finally come to bring this situation in Bakhmut to an end. They want to straighten their lines. They want to take control of Bakhmut, capture some of these surrounding places, straighten their lines before this big offensive begins. The word, and we'll come to that shortly, is that the offensive has been postponed. So because the offensive perhaps has been postponed, perhaps the Russians are in less of a hurry. But what I... What my, my own understanding of what has happened in Bakhmut is that, yes, these extra troops that Zelensky sent into Bakhmut did carry out a counterattack, but no, it didn't achieve anything of any importance. And that the overall view is that the Russians continue to make methodical progress there. There was an article in Bild Zeitung, the German newspaper, which basically said that, and there's been comments apparently from Ukrainian soldiers in Bakhmut, which is that they don't understand why they're fighting there. So do you think that the Russians may have been deliberately keeping Bakhmut active? I mean, 
Is that a possibility? This has been mentioned before. Yeah. In the past well, that they didn't close the, the encirclement because they wanted um, well, the Ukraine military focused on, on Bakhmut continuing to pour troops into Bakhmut. Well, Prigozhin said that. I mean, he said that there's been a military decision on the part of the Russian command um, not to try to close the pincers. In other words, to draw more Ukrainian troops in. But at the same time, he's also said that the Wagner forces are now concentrated in Bakhmut itself and that the Russian army, the regular Russian army, is now guarding the flanks. So you've got airborne forces, paratroopers, Russian paratroopers guarding the flanks, whilst Wagner, Wagner troops gradually grind down the Ukrainians in Bakhmut itself. So yes, I think, as I said, on the one hand, the Russians do want to resolve this. On the other hand, if, you, if Zelensky continues to throw troops there, well, they're not going to say no. I mean, they won't, they, they won't stop him doing that because it works... It affects, it's, it makes effective the, this meat grinder strategy, which they've been following in Bakhmut all along. I remember way back, I saw a program in which Colonel McGregor made exactly this, that point about Bakhmut, that it's, Bakhmut has worked as a trap that the Russians have lured the Ukrainians into and that they're continuing to be lured into it um, because they won't give up on it even though, as I said, their positions there are becoming increasingly difficult. Okay, so uh, the Ukraine prime minister was in Canada. He then went to the United States and he met with Lloyd Austin. Lloyd Austin said that Ukraine has everything it needs for the, for the Big Spring Offensive. Very confident that, you, that Ukraine will achieve its goals. Uh, Seymour Hirsch put out an article the other day and... He, uh, he has a source who claims that Milley is very confident on, uh, on the Ukraine uh, military's uh, fighting capabilities and that they will achieve their goals. Actually, in the article, Hirsch claims that uh, the source told Hirsch that Milley was, was so confident, is so, is so confident that he has actually tasked the Pentagon with creating the surrender terms for Russia. I mean, they're preparing... Russia's surrender and the terms that they're going to hand to Russia. How do you explain the, the various articles, including from the New York Times and the Washington Post, which talk about how uh, poorly prepared uh, the Ukraine is for this, for this counteroffensive, um, citing the, the, doc, the leaked documents with the rhetoric coming from people like Austin, Blinken, and if uh, this source is to be believed in the Seymour Hersh article, uh, Millie, yeah, well, who was Millie, saying, I mean, preparing surrender papers, Alexander's... Yeah, well, Millie says different <laughs> things... Pretty confident. Different, yeah, Millie says different things at different times, because just a few days ago, he was saying that he didn't think that Ukraine would be able to uh, uh, expel all Russian troops from its territory, and that this was really not an option. So, of course, and of course, what he means by surrender terms, if that's really his plan, I mean, I have absolutely no idea... But it's, absolute, it's clear to me, and it's been clear to me for some time, that the United States government, the president, his advisers, the National Security Council, Sullivan, Blinken, Newland, Austin, who's clearly part of that team, 
they all want to see this offensive. They are determined to have this offensive. Um, Millie, who's expressed doubts at various times, is not prepared to go out and contradict them. And so they're going to get this offensive. And the major thing that has been happening on the ground is that the Russians are preparing for this offensive. They're building up these enormous fortifications that we've been seeing. Their air force is becoming increasingly active. They're doing, they're, they've mobilized their forces. They're ready for this offensive. And Austin says that Ukraine has all the things it needs to carry out this offensive. You could interpret that various ways. One is, you know, that he's telling the truth. The other is that he's telling Ukraine, well, you've got all we can give you. We can't give you more because we've run out. So you've got to carry out this offensive, but you've got to do it with what you've already got, despite Zelensky going cap in hand to all sorts of countries, asking for more things. And um, on the one hand, you're not allowed to retreat. On the other hand, you must advance. So that, despite the fact that you might not have all the equipment, all the ammunition, all the aircraft, all the tanks that you need. Right. Okay, so the, the ammunition situation, uh, there's, there's the, uh, the recent articles saying that the EU is having difficulty putting together the ammunition. There are reports that the United States is going to be getting ammunition for, from uh, South Korea, I believe. Yes in yes. a type of, of lending the ammunition to the United States so South Korea can circumvent yes. its yes. own uh, its own laws to get the ammunition to, to Ukraine. Yes. Uh, what, what is the, the weapon situation? What do you think the reality of the weapon situation is? Uh, Alensky is still looking for S-300s and, and Buk missiles. Um, you know, it's been confirmed that he came to, to Cyprus to look up. Oh, the defense yes. minister of Ukraine came to Cyprus to ask for the, the book missiles. Yes. This tiny island has something like yes. four or six yes. book missile yes. systems. But uh, well, how I do mean, you fight? How, once again, how, how, how are you going to go on an offensive like, like well, this? It, how, how does this work? It, it doesn't make any kind of sense to me. And, you know, we go back to that, you know, dump of Pentagon documents they, they suggest that it doesn't make any kind of sense. I mean, Ukraine is going to launch an offensive with a couple of hundred tanks um, from, you know, various different sources. It's going to be short of ammunition because even with the half a million shells from South Korea, and it's interesting that they've had to go to South Korea to try to get shells, Clearly, clear sign that they've run out of shells. And if it's true, by the way, that Ukraine has postponed its offensive. I suspect it is in order to get those shells from South Korea and find some means to transport them to Ukraine. I think that's probably the single thing. But half a million shells is still not going to be anywhere near enough, given the kind of offensive that Ukraine is talking about. So um, they're giving it everything they've got. They're hoping that it will somehow succeed. I have to say, it doesn't look good. And yes, the Americans are optimistic. So at the moment are the Russians. Sanctions, more sanctions. Uh, Hungary is on the sanctions escalator now. Uh, Cyprus is on the sanctions escalator. They're starting to sanction their own 
allies, their yes. own uh, EU, NATO member states. Cyprus is not in NATO, but Hungary's in NATO. Hungary's in the EU. They're sanctioning individuals in Hungary. They're sanctioning individuals in uh, in Cyprus. And this is all part of uh, of getting to, to to the Russian money that is funding and fueling this war. That is what uh, cleverly from the UK said. The UK and the US are the ones that yes. came out with the sanctions against Hungary and, and Cyprus, as well as actually Turkey, UAE, and uh, China, China as well, and Chinese companies as well. So what do you make of this? this latest sanctions push. I mean, they're going after bank accounts of and assets of lawyers and businesses that are allegedly helping Russian oligarchs and people like Abramovich and, and these types of individuals. I mean, the, the UK already went through the whole Abramovich thing nine months ago. I mean, yeah, they're, they're back on Abramovich now. Yes, well, I mean, we come back to the self-the confidence of Austin, Milley, and all the others. Does this look like the actions of a confident, <laughs> of a confident power that you know that they feel that things are going their way? Because to me, again, just like going after going to South Korea and begging for shells and you know promising South Korea that you're only borrowing their shells, whatever that means. Um, um, I mean, that looks desperate. And, it, and this also, to my mind, looks desperate. I mean, it, it looks to me as if everybody in the United States, everybody around the world can see that the sanctions haven't worked, but you don't want to admit that. So you're going around threatening everybody that you can threaten, and everybody who's in your reach, and Cyprus and Hungary are relatively small countries, but eventually this will evolve to bigger and bigger ones because you can't admit to yourself, you can't admit to, your work, to the world that your big sanctions bazooka has turned out to have failed when confronted with a country like Russia. By the way, Putin, we're talking about confidence again, Putin held a meeting of his economic team the other day and he was brimming with self-confidence uh, um, the economy is surging. PMI figures are extremely strong. Budget revenues are, you know, bulging. You know, we've had less from oil and gas, but we're getting more from the non-oil and gas sector of the economy. Imports are rising. Exports are rising. So it's, that's the reality. And I suspect this is what's goaded the Treasury Department to go around and send its people around the world to try and threaten countries, threaten individuals, threaten businesses, impose sanctions on some of them, because they don't want people to be talking about the way in which Russia has successfully overcome the sanctions. They want everybody instead to be terrified of being sanctioned by the United States. Okay, uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else in this update. There were statements about the Black Sea. I, be, I, I believe Kaluba said that the Black Sea will be a NATO sea. And uh, yes. Peskov came out with a statement and said that will never happen. Yes. Is there anything else that uh, we should discuss for this uh, update on Ukraine? Um, IMF loan to Ukraine? Yeah, yes. Okay, I mean... <laughs> 
<laughs> more money uh, into the bottomless pit that's Ukraine. I get to say one thing about this, which is coming back to the point about the offensive. I mean, I can't help but think, by the way, that this business about milling, uh, producing surrender, plans for surrender and all that kind of stuff, it, it's partly in order, firstly, to reassure the, the neocons that he is indeed on their side. I mean, he's, as I said, wobbled at various, at various moments. So he's talking it up. He's now telling everybody, well, you know, this is, this is, you know, I'm, I'm absolutely 100% on the team, so much on the team that I've even prepared surrender terms for when the, yeah. for when it failed, for when it's... Can I read you, can I read you the statement from, um, yeah. from the article from Hirsch? So you, yes. just, just so you can have yes. some context yes. as you, as you explain yes. this. Yes. Um, Millie in the in, in the paragraph above, it's a long paragraph. He just talk, talks about how the uh, Russian military, how Millie says the Russian military is isolated. Uh, stocks are depleting. The soldiers are demoralized, untrained, unmotivated conscripts and convicts, and their leadership is failing them. Uh, then Millie goes on to say, according to the source to Hirsch, Millie says that Ukraine remains strong. They are capable and trained. Ukrainian soldiers are strong in their combat units, in their infantry fighting vehicles, etc., um, they're strong and we're going to bolster their front line. And then this is the key paragraph. There's evidence that Milley is as optimistic as he sounds. I was told that two months ago, the Joint Chiefs had ordered members of the staff, the military phrase is tasked, to draft an end of war treaty to present to the Russians after their defeat on the Ukraine battlefield. Perhaps he is. I mean, I don't know whether he's as confident as he sounds, but... Um, two months ago, when all this was supposedly authorised, is about the same time when all, all those Pentagon papers were being released, which we've, we've been released, were being produced, which give a completely different picture. Now, I don't really you know, understand this, except, of course, perhaps Millie is accepting too much of the, you know, the information that Ukraine is giving him about Russian combat losses. Maybe that's what's driving this thing. I mean, I don't know. But I, 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 feel on, I still feel on balance that my own view is that it's probably more to do with um, merely wanting to reassure everybody that, in fact, he is on side more than anything else. Do you think he's getting uh, the information from Zaluzhny and perhaps it's being massaged by, by the Ukraine side to look better than it really is? Or is is that not a possibility? Well, no, he is getting a lot of information from the Ukraine side. And of that, there is absolutely no question. And we're talking about demoralization. Well, as I said, there's just been an article in Bild Zeitung talking about the demoralization of Ukrainian soldiers on the battlefields in Bakhmut and places like that. But, of course, Millie doesn't see that because the Ukrainians are telling him a different story, or so it would seem. Hmm. Okay. Uh, anything else? Discuss or should we? Well, I mean, uh, we said already, far too much is riding on this offensive. If it doesn't succeed, what does the West and Ukraine do? I mean, that's the big unanswered question now. And we've seen that some people in Washington, in the Pentagon, think that you can only achieve modest gains. Okay, we'll, uh, we'll leave it there. TheDuran.Locals.com. We are on Rumble, Rockfin, Odyssey, BitChute, and Telegram. And go to the Duran shop. 10% off. Use the code. Good day. Take care.